Good morning, church. Good morning. It's nice to see all of you here this morning. My land, setting records today. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us this morning. Uh, so it's not just Don and me and Terry trying to figure out what we're going to do. So uh, my name is Kobe Pulse. I'm the associate pastor. I'm filling in for Dan Brown this morning. Um, before we uh, get started, we've got just a couple of announcements. Um, over the last year, um, we've been uh, collecting cereal for the local food pantry here in Cameron. And uh, Kelsey sent out an email earlier this week that uh, Dan had kind of totaled up and tried to get an estimated number of how many boxes that we had sent over this last year. And Dan figured up that we had sent over 1,200 boxes of cereal to the food pantry last year. That's pretty cool. And so, uh, so thank you all for all those Fruit Loops and Cheerios and, and everything that you brought. Um, but this next year, we thought we'd switch it a little bit. And so instead of uh, bringing boxes of cereal, we're going to uh, collect jars of peanut butter for this next year. So in 2022, uh, so if you got cereal on your list for next week, you can take that off your list and add a jar of peanut butter to your list. And, uh, and we're going to do what we can. We're, our goal is to hopefully have 120 jars a month. That's a, how many families receive m food monthly from the food pantry. So we're hoping to get about 120 jars a month to, that we can collect and donate to the food pantry so that we can meet the peanut butter needs of Cameron right here. So... So uh, please help with that. Um, also, another announcement, um, every year there's a, a special Christmas offering that, uh, that folks uh, give to the church, kind of above the regular offering that goes into the, the plate that goes towards the general funds of the church. There's a special Christmas offering where folks give. And uh, last year, that Christmas offering went towards uh, what Dan calls fresh expressions of ministry. Just uh, new ways that we are trying to minister to the people of Cameron, maybe new services or new, uh, just some kind of new place where we can uh, do ministry in the community. And so this last year, um, what we've started is called just a Tuesday night meal. Every Tuesday evening, uh, it was clear back in, I think it was February or March that, that I talked with Dustin and we started doing Dustin's famous pulled pork once a month. And we'd have... Maybe five people, maybe a dozen people come, and, and they would have a meal here on Tuesday night, and then we'd have some other meals they would take out to homebound folks in the community. And we just kind of, it just kind of built and built over time. And in September, we started doing this as a weekly meal. Every Tuesday night, we offer a meal, and uh, sometimes pulled pork, sometimes it's pork loin, sometimes it's roasted chicken. Um, but every week, we have a, a wonderful meal. Dustin helps, and Matt, uh, back there in the back, they do a lot helping with this meal cooking and preparing the food. And we've been having anywhere from 35 to 50 people come every week to this meal, every Tuesday night. And there's another 15 to 20 meals that get taken out to some of the folks that are homebound, not able to get out. But these 35 to 50 people, <clears throat> excuse me, that come to our meals, only two or three of them are usually people from our church. The rest of these people that come to this meal are pretty much all people from our community that don't have a connection with our church whatsoever. So the idea of this meal was to just provide a place for them to come, have a place of fellowship, have a really good meal, and then give us a chance to build relationships with people in our community that otherwise we wouldn't have an opportunity to get to meet and get to know. And so that started happening. Every Tuesday we have this meal, and it's basically funded for the most part from 
that special Christmas collection last year. So if you want to make a special offering, a Christmas offering this year, uh, it's going to go towards their Tuesday meals. And then hopefully over the course of this next year, we can come up with another uh, couple ministries we can begin as well, meeting the needs of the folks in the community as we get to meet more and more people, as we start to see more and more needs that we have in our community. Hopefully we can start new expressions of ministry meeting the needs of our people. So, so we're going to meet the peanut butter need through the food pantry, but hopefully we can start something else meeting the more spiritual and emotional needs that our community has as well. So those are our announcements this morning. I'd like for us all, you know, uh, Christmas was yesterday. We had our family dinners. I don't know about your pants. Mine are a little tight this morning from family dinners. Uh, open presents, a lot of conversation and joy, a lot of wonderful things, or maybe for a lot of folks, maybe it was a time of sadness. It's the first Christmas without someone. Maybe there was tears shed. But Christmas was yesterday, and now already we're past Christmas. It's come and gone like the wind. So this morning as we come and gather together, let's just take a moment. Let's center ourselves. Let's bring all of our focus to the God who is here with us in Jesus Christ. And let's all join together in our call to worship on the screens. We have waited a long time for your arrival. We have Now you have come into our world, not in a show of power and glory, but you came lowly and vulnerable. You came as a child, held by parents, celebrated by angels, adored by the meek as well as the wise. Now our search for you begins. Some have followed a star to be in your presence. Some have climbed trees just to get a glimpse of you passing by. And others have followed the crowds just to touch the hem of your robe. We come longing to be with you, longing to experience your love that shines into our own darkness and calls us to find a new life for you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Be God with us. Let us find you in this place. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Let's all stand and sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, this is a song we all know, and there's not very many of us, so we're going to have to sing really, really loud to fill this place with song this morning as we celebrate our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ.
Please join me in prayer. Holy God, we are thankful for this day. We are thankful for this season. As we thither, as the song says, as we gather, as we come near to be with you, Lord, let us find you in this place. Fill us with your presence, your peace, your joy, your love, your kindness. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated, but don't stop singing. We're going to sing Angels We Have Heard on High. And if you can't sit down and sing, then stand up and sing so we can all sing nice and loud.
Good morning. We, we are the Gebauers, Terry and Dawn, and um, we'd like to share this with you. As our annual Advent journey comes to its climax, we gather to light our Advent candles and hear again the good news of Christ's coming. Christ comes renewing our hope that God is at work in the midst of our messy world. Christ comes preparing our hearts so that we might live and love like Jesus. Christ comes inviting our joyful participation as we embrace the vision and new possibilities Christ offers for our community and the world. Christ comes waiting for our yes so that the light of Christ might shine from within us into our neighborhoods and the world. Now we light the Christ candle as we proclaim. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has burst forth. God has come to be with us. God's Spirit is within us. Jesus is born, and nothing will ever be the same again. So uh, Pastor Dan has been uh, kind of reading through um, the lectionary. The lectionary is a, a three-year scripture study that uh, when pastors follow the lectionary, then they cover pretty much all the important scriptures that we need to know, need to talk about and discuss. Um, so it's a, a three-year study that uh, goes along with the Christian seasons like Christmas and Advent, Lent and Easter. Um, so continuing along with that, we're... Uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 2 this morning. Um, one of, there's a 
Kind of an odd thing, though, that happens when you follow the lectionary, because they're all, this was all written and lined up years, centuries ago. And so every once in a while, you get a scripture that may not seem quite like it fits where you're reading it and talking about it. For example, yesterday, Jesus was born, right, on Christmas Day, a baby lying in a manger. And in today's scripture, he's 12 years old already. So, so sometimes we're like, oh, that don't line up quite right. But, uh, but this is our scripture this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 41, says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And this is a, in the scripture, we're already, we, it's kind of starting to get a glimpse through here. Uh, Luke's the only one that talks about anything about Jesus' life. And this scripture right here is the is about the only one that we see between birth and, and Jesus being baptized and beginning his ministry. Luke's the only one that puts this little story in his gospel. And so we kind of get a glimpse of what family life, what life growing up for Jesus was like. And we see already every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. Already we see he grew up in a family that was faithful to their traditions, faithful to upholding the, uh, the requirements of the Jewish people to go and celebrate Passover every year in Jerusalem. But when he was 12, they went up according to the custom. There was a custom back then that when the child uh, was eight, year, eight days old, in Luke chapter 20, or verse 21, we actually read that on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised. This was something from long ago with Abraham. God was saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you, with Abraham, Father Abraham. And, and he says, this will be the sign of our covenant. This, the sign will be that all males will be circumcised at eight days old. And this is the sign. It was a physical sign that these are the people of God. This is the family of God. And so when the boy was an infant, they would do this procedure, and this was a sign that we are going to raise him up in the family of God at eight days old. But then when the child was 12 years old, this is when they would start to become an adult. In their culture, this was the time where they started to become a young man or a young woman. This was a time when they would start to, instead of just their parents raising them up in the faith, now this is where they start to take ownership of their own faith. This is where they start to take on uh, you know, they're on the cusp of becoming an adult. Now, in life, they're starting to learn, maybe for males, they're starting to learn their father's trade. If their father's a carpenter, say, like Joseph was, then their son would start to learn how to be a carpenter. And they would start to learn what it means to be an adult living in this world as God's people, as God's family of people. There's kind of a neat thing that we have in our church that's very similar to this. There's something we do with an infant when they're just maybe a few days old or not very old. And then later in life, there's some place where they come and they make their own profession of faith. They take ownership of their own faith. Has anybody heard of anything like this that we do? Something with water maybe is involved. That's what we do is baptism. This is kind of the new sign of this new covenant that we have with God. God says, I will be your God, and we say, we are your people through Jesus Christ. We don't have a surgical procedure, thank goodness, that we have to do uh, for this to happen. We just have water. There's a ceremonial washing where we say, this child 
is going to be brought up in the family of God, and we're going to teach them the ways of faith. We're going to teach them how to, how to live and love God and how to live and love others like Christ. And we raise them up, and when they reach a certain age, then they take ownership of that faith. This is now, you're on the cusp of becoming an adult. This is now your opportunity to stand and say, I believe that God is real. I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I'm going to walk in this faith. I'm going to continue on this path. It's this wonderful kind of look at how Jesus was brought up and this reminder of kind of how we raise our kids up in the church, in the traditions of the church. Coming to special celebrations, maybe on Christmas Eve, maybe on Christmas morning before you open presents, a tradition that we have at our house is we read Luke chapter 2. At some point before you open a present, you're going to read Luke chapter 2. You don't get a present until we talk about baby Jesus in our house. So we have our traditions, and we uphold those. And our kids grow in these, hoping that as they continue on into their adulthood, they continue on in faith and trust in God through Jesus Christ. So there's this wonderful illustration of how Jesus' upbringing is similar to the way we raise our kids in the United Methodist Church today. So when he was 12, they went to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw them or saw him, they were astonished. Now there ought to be a little side note in here because they were astonished, but they were pretty upset too. They weren't very happy. His mother Mary said to him, "Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you." "Why were you searching for me?" he said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Other translations say, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. This is the holy word of our holy God. Amen. So, in this little story, we're kind of given a glimpse of Jesus' life growing up, what it was like for him and for his, uh, for his family, that they were faithful um, to uphold the traditions. Um, we see that they cared a lot for him. If they're going to spend three days looking for for this kid that they can't seem to find in Jerusalem. They're running all over trying to find him, but they spent three days looking for him, and then they were upset, you know. Finally, they found him. Like, what are you thinking? Where have you been? Why would you put us through all of this? You should have been right there with us, you know. And, and, uh, and so we see how much they care for Jesus, you know, as his parents, right, and raising him in this world. But we also see... Jesus' understanding, he's got a different purpose than all the other 12-year-olds that are running around at that time. Or really, 
different purpose than all the other 12-year-olds throughout all of history, right? One of the questions that, uh, that I hear fairly often is, when did Jesus know? Uh, adults and youth, this is one of the questions I'll, I'll hear every once in a while. When did Jesus know that he was Jesus? When did he know he's the one that's supposed to do all of this stuff that God had planned for him? When did he know? Well, I think in some way, maybe he kind of always knew. Um, in verse number 40, the right before the one we started reading, it says, As a child, he grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So probably as he grew, he just kind of always knew there's something different about him. He's got a different purpose than most other people or all the other people. And, of course, probably hearing, hearing the story of, of his conception and how he was born and all the things that happened, you know, early on in Luke chapter 2, before, you know, when he was a, Mary had the angels talking to him. Joseph had angels talking to him that we learn about in Matthew. All of these things that took place as he's learning about these, well, that didn't happen with the other kids. None of his friends had angels come to their mom and say, hey, guess what? You're going to have a child. And none of his buddies had their dad tell him about wise men bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Something's different about his upbringing and about his birth and just about him. So I think he probably grew up always kind of knowing something was different. But here in in these verses, we see definitely by age 12, he already had this understanding that something's different about him as he's about to become this, this adult. Mary says, we've been searching for you. Your father and I are searching for you anxiously. But he says, didn't you know I must be in my father's house with my, being about my father's business? Now, we know right what he's talking about. Because as we read that, we can see Mary saying, your father and I, and that's got a lowercase f. So we know when Jesus says, I need to be in my father's house with a capital F, we got it right away. Oh, she's talking about Joseph, and he's talking about God. Two different fathers, right? We get it right away. Apparently, Mary didn't have the written out version to see that capital letter F. Because in verse 50, it says, she didn't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> So she's confused about all of this. And I have to think, this, as I read that, I thought, well, how is she confused by all of this? I mean, for the mothers that are here, you remember the birth of your children, and they all have their own special circumstances. Some of them, maybe you got to the hospital, and hours and hours and hours later is when it all finally happened. Or others, maybe you were on the way to the hospital thinking, we're not even going to make it to the hospital. we got to get going. You know, they've all got their little stories. They've all got their little nuances and how your children came into this world. But Mary's story is so different than everybody else. How could she not understand what Jesus was talking about here? That he had to be in his father's house. He had to be in the temple learning. He's a, about to become an adult He's about to take his place within the family of God. This was the time that you would learn the family business, right? Well, maybe he's thinking as a 12-year-old, I'm not supposed to be learning to be a carpenter. My father is in heaven. I've got a heavenly father. I'm supposed to be learning my father's business. And you learn that in the temple, not driving nails and cutting boards. But Mary didn't understand that. She was confused by that, apparently. 
And I thought, how in the world? I mean, just yesterday, Jesus was born a baby in a manger. We just celebrated that yesterday, right? And, and it wasn't that long ago that, that we talked about angels appearing to Mary. You know, it's, this has all just happened, right? No, no. For Mary, this was all 12 years ago. For Joseph, this all happened 12 years ago. And a lot's happened since then. Since all of that happened with the, with the miraculous conception and birth, the wonderful story, there was a lot of diapers in between there. There was a lot of watching him learn to walk, teaching him words, just like you do with other infants. There's this story where the, the wise men come and bring those gifts, but then an angel appears to Joseph. If you remember this story, an angel appears to Joseph and says, you need to flee. You need to go to Egypt because Herod is actually trying to kill your son. And so they flee to Egypt, and they go, and they're there for a while. And then the angel appears to Joseph again and says, it's okay, now you can move back to Nazareth. So they move. And he's a carpenter, providing for his family, working hard day after day, going through his daily routines as a carpenter, providing for his family, trying to make ends meet in a very harsh environment for Jewish people. Oh, and they also had other kids, too. We learn later in Luke and in Matthew that, Jesus had many brothers and sisters. So here's this couple, Joseph and Mary. They're raising Jesus, raising their other kids, going about their daily routines, teaching their kids how to, to grow up in the faith, believing and trusting in God, trying to make ends meet in this rough society that they lived in. Day after day, day after day. Maybe somewhere along the way, they, they always knew, yes, he's special. There's a different purpose for him. I don't think they completely forgot the story of, you know, I don't think uh, Mary forgot that the angel said he's going to sit on the throne of Jacob and his kingdom will, will never end. I don't think she forgot those words. But I think just in this time of raising a family, being a family, probably just had this wonderful development as a family. Here's Joseph, carpenter, providing for his family, and Joseph was the dad during this time. Joseph's the one that helped him learn how to walk, helped him learn how to talk. Joseph's the one that was there teaching him how to become a, this young man that he has already become. Joseph was dad up until this point. So when, Mary, or when Jesus says, I must be in my father's house, or I must be about my father's business, it's no wonder she was confused. Well, this is our family, our little family that we've got that we're providing for, and we're watching them all grow up, brothers and sisters, loving each other or not loving each other sometimes. But we're all growing up watching this happen. And besides, the Messiah they're looking for is this warrior king, right? He's supposed to redeem Israel and rescue them, pull them out of this oppression. You can't do that at 12 years old. You need to be a full-grown adult to do that, to be this warrior king that's going to lead a military Israel to world prominence. They just kind of, in the routines of life, raising kids, working, trying to provide, being faithful to God, raising their kids in the faith, they just somehow kind of lost maybe the point of what's happening here. Jesus is starting to understand his purpose in the world is different than other people's purpose in the world. So here we are, 
Christians. Here we are, believers. If we're here this morning, then there's something we're here, there's a reason we're here, right? We're here searching for Christ. We're here because we want Jesus to be present in our lives. This God that is here with us, we want God to be here with us in our lives, helping guide us through our decisions throughout the day, helping us to be kind when maybe we don't want to be kind, helping us to recognize this person that is in need and I'm busy and I don't have time, but maybe I need to take time because this person is in need. We're here because we want Jesus to be present with us, guiding us to be the family of God in this world, the people of God, bringing God's goodness and love and kindness into this world around us. That's why we're here this morning or joining online. We're here because we love that through Jesus Christ we have peace, joy, love, and hope. And in some way, we want to be those people that are sharing that with others around us. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes that we, God's beloved people in Christ, are set apart for the purpose of bringing peace and kindness and goodness and love into our world. This is who we are. We're carpenters. We're businessmen and women. We are teachers. We are pastors. We work in many different places, but ultimately, more importantly, who we are in this world, we are the family of God. And we bring our infants and we say, we believe that God's grace is upon this child. And we want this child to grow in wisdom, spiritual wisdom, as well as mental wisdom. We want this child to grow in God's grace. We want them to grow in faith and trust and belief in God so that when they become an adult, they won't feel ever like they are alone in this world. When they grow up and they experience the brokenness that this world has to offer, they will know there is something that gives them hope beyond the brokenness. When they are here and there's a moment where they are not really all that joyful, there's a moment when things just don't feel so merry and bright, there is still rejoicing in the fact that we have a God who loves us, a Savior who is here with us. We bring our children forward and say, we're going to raise them to believe and trust in this God that is always present with us all the time. And by our faith, we are able to have this wonderful relationship that no matter what's happening in life around us, there is joy to be had within us because God is here. This is a wonderful scripture about Jesus' life growing up. It's a wonderful reminder to us that whatever we're facing, we are the family of God. We are the people of God. And God is always present with us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But we are also a people set apart for a special purpose in this world. We are a people who are set apart specifically to bring peace and kindness and goodness and love into this world, and even more specifically, into this community. So how do we do that? Maybe we do it one jar of peanut butter at a time. Maybe we do it by saying, I'm not too busy to show kindness. I'll take this moment. And then we realize that was the most important moment of our day. 
it's not too hard in this celebration of that God is here with us to see brokenness and hopelessness are abounding in our world. We, the family of God, are supposed to bring this good news that God is here through Jesus Christ. Not just for us. Here this morning celebrating, but for all humanity, God is here. Bringing joy, bringing peace and love and hope to all the world. That's our, world, that's our news that we have to share. So as we begin this new year, as we begin looking forward to 2022, maybe this could be a year where we resolve to bring the goodness and love of Christ in mightier ways than we ever have before into this community and see what difference that might make. Maybe we can resolve to the best of our capabilities to show the love of Christ always, wherever we are as the people of God, led by Jesus Christ. I think that would be a good resolution. Amen. So go in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Tell it on the mountain if you're on a mountain. Tell it in the hills. Tell it wherever you are in this community in the coming days and weeks. Jesus Christ is here. God is here. Love, hope, joy, and peace are here. Go in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and be the people of God for the world. Amen. Amen.